Be turning your Bibles to Nehemiah. We're going to go back to our study of Nehemiah today, and we're going to pick it up at the end of chapter 2. So, Nehemiah chapter 2. Good to see everybody today. How's everybody feeling? We're excited about a beautiful day in Southern California? You should be. It's awesome. Great to be here. Great place to be. Nehemiah chapter 2. You getting there? The title today is A Dream Worth Fighting For. A Dream Worth Fighting For. Now we know in our, our uh, previous time in uh, the book of Nehemiah, he's come from a long distance. He's going to rebuild the wall in the temple of Jerusalem. going to restore his uh, sort of uh, heritage, hometown, uh, the uh, place where his family uh, had been uh, prior to being taken away off into captivity. And he's, uh, he's all excited and he gets them going, as we noted uh, in verse 17 here. He says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble that we are in. Uh, Jerusalem lies in ruins and the gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we'll no longer be in disgrace. And he comes on down and then it says, They replied, Let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. And so they had this great idea and they start doing it. Has that ever happened in your life? Have you ever had a great idea, a lot of enthusiasm, and you start doing it, and then things don't go well? Have you ever had uh, a time in your house where you, you walk through your house or the place where you live, and you look and you see there's one unfinished project? There's another unfinished project. There's another unfinished project. You ever had a moment in your life like that? And you think, man, I start all these great things, but I don't seem to finish them. What are some things in your life that you've started but haven't finished? Be, be honest now. Uh, you know, this is not time for embarrassment, but uh, some of you share or whatever. Okay, a lot of projects around the house. Yeah. I'm sorry? Your college degree. Yeah, we're not going to have a showing of hands of how many of you started college and didn't finish. Uh, but that happens a lot. That can be a dream that doesn't come true in people's lives or an unfinished dream. Any other things you've started and not finished? Yeah. Cleaning my garage. Cleaning your garage. Yeah, or, or straightening out your closet. You know, my wife over here. Yes. Oh, same thing. Chris has a, a bad closet too. A uh, bad uh, garage. <laughs> Any other things? Yes, ma'am. Driver's Ed. Oh, my gosh. Started and didn't finish. We definitely want to finish that eventually uh, so that you can be mobile in life. So, uh, you know, we're all at least, uh, even if you didn't raise your hand, we're all at least familiar with the idea of starting a project and then not finishing it. And usually... When we have a project that we don't finish, the reason we don't finish it is that things happen. We hit adversity, which can come in all kinds of different you know, forms. But we start this great idea. We have a lot of enthusiasm. And then, bam, adversity hits. 
And then the project that could have been finished, would have been wonderful, uh, sits in an unfinished state uh, in our life. And this whole idea of overcoming adversity is a huge item in life. If you're going to have success in any dream of your life, you're going to have to overcome adversity. I've often said, of course I've been involved with campus ministry for many, many years, that nobody graduates from college without thinking about quitting at least once. Sometimes, many, many times, but at least one time, there's a, you know, a big moment where you have some serious thought about quitting. And this, over, uh, this, uh, this idea of overcoming or persevering through is a big thing. Now, I have some quotes for you that I thought you might appreciate. You want some quotes on perseverance? Okay, Winston Churchill. He's always good for a good quote, right? If you're going through hell, keep going. Okay? Thought you might appreciate that. From Confucius. The man who moves mountains begins by carrying away small stones. Okay? Of course, Vince Lombardi, great football coach of the uh, Green Bay Packers. The difference between a successful person and others is not a lack of strength or knowledge, but rather a lack of will. Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. Mark Twain said, a few bites, a few fly bites can't stop a spirited horse. Pretty good from an agricultural time in our country. And then uh, our President of the United States at this very time, Barack Obama, says, I don't break. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Some, uh, some good quotes there on perseverance. And actually, if you look up uh, 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 perseverance quotes, I mean, there are a lot of them. And there are a lot of them that are a lot longer. I tried to pick some that uh, were shorter as far as uh, uh, taking up time and all that. But some really good thoughts that many people have had on this idea of perseverance. Now, you're in Nehemiah too, right? What we're going to do here is we're going to go through the end of chapter 2, chapter 3, which basically uh, sort of details out where different people are working, what they're doing, and so we're going to make some observation there. Then we're going to get to chapter 4, and chapter 4, we really get into some adversarial uh, type of situations. Okay, so uh, in chapter 2 here, at the beginning, uh, at verse 18 there, it ends with, hey, let's start rebuilding, and so they began to do this good work. What's the first thing that happens? Verse 19. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And so, you know, isn't that true in life? You, you have an idea, you want to get something going, and bam! First thing out! Something happens that's very discouraging. Someone says something that's very discouraging. Some event happens where someone says, What are you doing? You can't do that. And, and all of a sudden, you start hitting 
some adversarial uh, type of situations. Verse 20, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We are servants, we'll start rebuilding, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or claim or historic right to it. So they get through this first uh, little criticism that they go uh, through here. Okay. Chapter 3, verse 1, Elisha, the high priest, and the fellow priest went to work to rebuild the sheep gate. And what we're going to look here, we're going to uh, sort of peruse through chapter 3, is that they have all these different gates that they're building of the wall, and they're putting things together, and there's some interesting comments that go along. First of all, you have the sheep gate. In verse 3, you have the fish gate. Let's just notice all the gates first. Uh, they come on down, In verse 6 is the... Uh, Deshana gate, which means basically a word for old. The old gate. You come on down to verse 13, the valley gate. Verse 14, the dung gate. And we made note of that earlier. What was the purpose of the dung gate? That was sort of the trash lane of the city. You know, all the trash went out that direction. In verse 15, the fountain gate. I guess if you're going to have a dung gate, you've got to have a fountain gate to balance things around. Now at the end of verse 16, it's interesting that one of them are working and it says at the end of the sentence there, as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes. Wow, that was that's a cool thing. That in Jerusalem they had sort of a, a Hall of Fame house uh, that uh, they had there and they had an artificial pool that they had out in front of it. In verse 28, they had the horse gate. And in, down in verse uh, uh, 31, it makes note of the inspection gate. So they got all these gates that are going on uh, and everybody is working and they're, they're busy uh, doing these different things. Now in verse uh, in verse 5, An interesting note that Nehemiah throws in here. He says the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. But their nobles would not put their shoulder to the work under their supervisors. It's an interesting to note here that Nehemiah has this great dream. Almost everybody is behind him. Seems like everybody is enthusiastic and going. But he makes special note here that there's, there's this one guy, they just said, no, I'm not doing it. You ever have a, 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 a time in your life where you have a great plan? And it seems like around you, most people are saying, hey, great idea, great idea, great idea. And then there's somebody. There's someone that says, well, that's a stupid idea. Emphasis on stupid. That's a stupid idea. Anybody ever said that to you? Has anybody ever said that that was a stupid idea in your life and you started feeling stupid? And you started wondering about yourself? We're going to talk about that a little bit later, about the idea of who do you listen to. And we'll we'll, we'll get to that. But it is important to note here that he, he, he makes special note that Hey, you know, there's some nobles here. These are important people that just said, no, we're not helping. You're on your own, dude. I'm not going to help you out with this dream in your life. Look on down to verse uh, uh, verse 10. He, he makes a special note here, and, and we're going to note uh, several different places where this is uh, brought up. It says uh, in verse 10, uh, joining this, uh, Jediah... Uh, by the way, some of these names are really tough. And whether I pronounce them right or not, I don't know. But these people have been dead for a long time anyway, so they, they don't know. <laughs> it says that son of uh, uh, Harumphah, 
made repairs opposite his house. So he's he's working right in front of his house. Is is basically what's going on. In verse 23, it says uh, the same thing at the end of the sentence there. It says, uh, Ananiah made repairs beside his house. In verse 28, it says, above the horse gate, the priest made repairs each in front of his own house. Now, I don't know if that was a plan. I don't know uh, if he's making a positive comment about this or maybe he's making a negative comment about it. But you know, there's sometimes in life where you have things going on in your life, you need people in uh, your life to help you, but people basically will help you only so much as it helps them. You ever ever had a situation like that? Is that you need people to help you. With your goal to get things done in your life. But what you sort of figure out is you're having a hard time getting people to help you. Because people help you sometimes, not because they really are totally invested in you and your dream and your goal, but they're only helping you because it helps them. Not because they really all that much care about you. And I don't know if that's exactly what's going on with these people that are helping build a wall, but only building the parts that are in front of, of their house or not. Uh, in verse 12, I love this. This is fantastic that Nehemiah throw this in. Look at this. Shalom, son of Haloesh, ruler of the Hass district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. Whoa! I don't know if he didn't have any sons. But I know he had daughters. And you know, sometimes you think, oh, you know, we don't want the girls to get their hands dirty. You know, this is, uh, you know, boys are a little stronger about picking up the rocks and all that. And girls, you know, aren't quite as rough and ready sometimes. uh, And that kind of thing. What do we think? Girls here sitting on the front row. You think that, you know? I love that Nehemiah said, you know, hey, this one guy, let's just, let's just dream for a minute. I'm, I'm going to imagine that he didn't have any sons. And he's got at least two daughters. Because it's, it's in plural. So let's say he's got two or three daughters. And he says, okay, girls, let's go. Time to go to work. Let's get busy, girls. Come on. This is not men's work. This is work. I want to share about two of my uh, second cousins. Uh, my, my, my cousin that I mentioned oftentimes, uh, Kenneth, but everybody calls him Squirrel. Uh, <laughs> Kenneth, uh, Kenneth had uh, two children. He had two daughters, uh, Janetta and Jennifer. And... Uh, they were uh, in that time in their life, uh, in addition to other jobs uh, that he had, uh, he would uh, race tobacco. And uh, whether you think that's a good idea or not really is not the point. But uh, if, if, uh, if, if you have any knowledge of raising tobacco, you know that raising tobacco is hard work. Uh, it, it's, it's much of it is done by hand, and uh, you have to actually get out in the field doing the work. And uh, it's uh, generally pretty sticky. Uh, it's done in the time of the year when in western Kentucky it's hot and uh, it's dirty, sticky, awful uh, work working in the tobacco uh, field, uh, getting the fields ready or, or, or doing all the work. 
But you know, uh, the reputation that uh, Janetta and Jennifer had was is that they could outwork almost any man when they were teenage girls. And they were out there working just as hard as anybody else. Now, the interesting story end of that is that uh, Kenneth, as you might imagine uh, by his nickname, uh, didn't go to college. Uh, you know, I guess I guess there, there, there probably are college graduates that have a nickname of Squirrel, but I don't, I, I don't think many. Um, but you know what? His daughters both went to college and got not only their uh, initial undergraduate degree, but graduate degrees. Uh, one of them married the man now who is the high school principal in town, and one of them married a man that's vice president of the bank in town. Now, I wonder if many of the successes that those two girls had, Janetta and Jennifer had, I wonder if some of the success and the reasons for the success they had in their life goes right back to the fact that when they were teenage girls, their dad said, it's time to work. And we're not not, not going to treat you like little sissies. You can get out and work and you can work as hard as anybody else. And I want to challenge all the girls. I love my girls in the front row here. I, I love my front row girls. You need to work as hard as any man. You need to be as tough as any man. And be willing to get your hands dirty out in the tobacco field. <laughs> of Southern California. <clears throat> Never let it be said that you got outworked. You may not be the smartest person in the room. You may not be the prettiest girl in the, in the, in the school. Uh, you may not be the most talented person in the room. But never let it be said that you get outworked. Great little comment that Nehemiah throws in there about the girls. Okay, now, you go on down and he gets to chapter 4. And chapter 4 is, uh, is where the ad- adversarial things really start to kick in. It says in verse 1, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. Now, I want you to notice here all the different words that Nehemiah says. He's already said some of them. But let me give them to you. Anger, ridicule, mocking, insults, despised. The people were fatigued and overwhelmed and fearful. Now, there's a lot of things going on here that are keeping them from being successful in getting this wall up. Let me hear you with those again. People were angry with them. They ridiculed them. They mocked them. Insulted them. Despised them. They were tired. They were overwhelmed. And they were fearful. But they get this wall up by the help of God in their life. If you're going to reach your dream in your life, let me almost promise you, someone's going to be angry with you about your dream. Someone is going to mock you. Someone is going to ridicule you. Someone is going to despise you. Someone is going to treat you in a way that makes you feel stupid. Someone is going to make you feel low. And that you can't get it done. You're going to be tired. You're going to be overwhelmed. 
And you're going to be fearful before you reach your dream being fulfilled. Because those are all the things that's going on. This Sanballat guy is angry. He's greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and uh, in, in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? What are these feeble people doing? What are these worthless, dumb people doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifice? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from the heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they're building, even if a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Even if they get it done, it isn't worth anything. Even if you reach your dream, you're still not going to be worth much. Even if you graduate from school, you didn't go to a top school. And we've got USC located here. We've got Cal State LA here. I want to talk to the Cal State people. USC people, you can go on break right now. People say, well, that's just Cal State LA. Cal State LA. You didn't go to a good school. You could only get into Cal State. That's exactly what's being said right here. I relate with you. I went to Eastern Illinois University. Eastern Illinois University. A directional school. (laughs) Old McDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-U. That's the joke in Illinois. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just reading the scriptures here, guys. What they're building, even if they do build it, if a fox jumped on, the whole thing would fall down. Even if you do graduate from college, you're still not worth anything. Even if you do get that wall up, it ain't going to be a very good wall anyway. I mean, man, he, he says some pretty stuff, uh, the, the, the hard things. And, and Nehemiah goes back in verse 4 says, Hear us, O God, uh, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their heads so they go to prayer. And in and, uh, verse 6 it says, So we were built a wall to ha- that we got the wall up to half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But look at this. But when Sanballat, uh, uh, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonite men of Ashdod heard uh, the reports of Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together and came together against Jerusalem to stir up trouble against us. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. And so, man, they're, they're, they're working hard. They're, getting, they're having success, but they are getting incredible criticism for things going on in their life. Their life is moving in a good direction. And instead of people saying, man, good job, awesome, people are saying terrible things about them along the way. And they're somewhat discouraged about it. Now, look at this in verse 10. There's a lot of talk going on. A lot of talking going on. Meanwhile, the people of Judah, so this is some of their own people. You know, it's one thing when, when, when people who aren't your own people say things, but when your own people say things about you, that's hard to deal with. 
the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there's so much rubble, we can't rebuild the wall. So even among their own people, you got people saying, this is too big a job, we can't get the job done. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and kill them and put an end to all this work. Then the Jews who had lived near them came and told us ten times over. They keep coming and keep coming and keep coming them. Ten times over. Wherever you turn, they will attack us. I want to talk about who do you listen to in life. Look over to Proverbs. Hold your finger there, Nehemiah. Look over to Proverbs 24, verse 6. You guys with me? Proverbs 24, verse 6. Proverbs, are you with me? Girls? Can I get an amen from the girls down here? Come on now. That was that was really really weak, girls. Let's try again. Can I get an amen from the girls on the front row? Amen. We're doing better. Okay, we're talking about who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? Proverbs twenty four six for raging raging war or or, waging war. You need guidance. In other words, you need to listen. For victory, many advisors. Now, the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's a book of, of good thoughts. If you're going to be successful in life, you've got to have people you listen to. But look over to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 21. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 21. Do not pay attention to every word people say. Or, he goes on, you may hear your servant cursing you, for you know in your heart that many times you yourself cursed others. Now, isn't it interesting in life, you need to listen. If you're going to be successful in life, you've got to listen. You need advice. You need input to make good choices and to make good decisions in your life. But the Bible doesn't just say you need to listen. It also says you need to not listen. Do not pay attention to every word that people say. Do you realize that even Jesus got bad advice in His life? Look over to Matthew chapter 16. Even Jesus got bad advice. Matthew 16. And verse 21. Jesus had just told them some important things are going to happen. He also tells them that uh, it's going to get tough. And in verse 21... Well, it actually, verse 21 includes what he's going to say to him here about the, the things. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. 
Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Even Jesus got bad advice. Jesus says, okay guys, I'm going to tell you the inside story here. Here's what's really going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. Here the bad things are going to happen. It's going to end up with me being executed. And Peter says, no, 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 no. This will never happen to you. You ever got good-hearted, bad advice? You like that term? I thought a lot about that. Good-hearted, bad advice. I'm not saying the person was stupid. But what they told you was stupid. He was good-hearted. Bad advice. <laughs> now here's the thing, guys. There's not a person in this room that doesn't listen to people. All of us listen to people. Every one of us, we listen to somebody. Don't you think you're the only person out there? I don't listen to anybody. Oh, come on. Get over yourself. We all listen to people. The question is that you have to ask yourself and I have to ask myself is who do you listen to and why? Nehemiah is getting all kinds of input here. He's getting all kinds of advice. A lot of talking going on. You know, there's a lot of talking going on about you and your life. There's a lot of talking going on about me and my life. People talk about people all the time. And so do you. You have an opinion and your mouth usually follows your opinion about what your brother, mother, father, neighbor, or people in this room are doing with their life. And we hear it. We hear the talk. We hear the comments. We feel the support. We feel the disdain at moments that people have for us in our life. Who do you listen to? I submit to you that who you listen to is one of the most important decisions that you're ever going to make in your life. Because if you listen to the wrong people, the potential that you have to do great things is going to be totally diminished. Because they will destroy you. They will eat you alive. And your confidence and your ability to do anything will be gone. You listen to other people and you will not only reach your potential, you will overreach your potential. It's just depending on who you're going to listen to and who's going to have influence in your life. And I want to challenge those of us who are parents in the room. What do you say to your children? Do they think they can conquer anything? Or are they scared of their shadow? A lot of it goes right back to the dinner table, to the breakfast table of your home. What do you say to your children? What do you communicate to their children? What do you emphasize and what do you ignore? Sometimes the best thing to do with a bad report card is say nothing. The only F I ever got in my whole educational career My dad didn't say a blessed word about it. Not one. Nothing. 
was said about the F. I scared to death of what he was going to say and do. <laughs> Nothing was said. But you know, when I did things right, there was a lot said. Good job. Appreciated that. You know, sometimes when I lost a wrestling match, what he said about was, appreciate the fact that you didn't quit and that you were still taking it to him in the third quarter. You see, sometimes it's what you want to emphasize. It's what you want to say to your children. It's what you want them to go away with. Who do you listen to in life is a big, big thing. They go on here in chapter 4. We don't have time to get into all of it. But I want to close out with these three things that I think will be good for you in, 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 in thinking through this idea of persevering through difficulties. First of all, Matthew 6.34, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will what? It will worry about itself. And then He says the, the, the great statement, each day has what? Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, what do you learn from that as it pertains to ad, ad, overcoming adversity in your life? Everybody has adversity. Don't ever, ever, ever get faked into thinking you've got adversity and somebody else got a pass. Why is it so easy for her? Why is it so easy for him? If you knew their life, you'd probably figure out it really isn't easy for them either. They may not deal with the exact same thing that you deal with, but they all deal with something. You understand what I'm saying? It's important to understand in life, everybody has hardship. Not just you. We're, we're tuned in. We're totally tuned into our hardship. The truth of the matter is, we're so tuned into ours sometimes, we're oblivious to the hardship that other people around us are going through. They're going through all kinds of stuff. They actually would need some encouragement from us, but we are so focused on our hardship that we think, oh, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me, and that leads right into, oh, I can't do it because. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I've always been a victim. My family's always been a victim. Everyone who went to my school is a victim. You talk yourself into it. Oh, woe is me, my hard life. Listen, everybody's got a hard life. That's what Jesus said. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Super important lesson here to overcoming adversity. Quit feeling sorry for yourself about your adversity. You've got yours, she's got hers, he's got his. Shut up and get over it. You with me right there? Secondly, Suffering produces perseverance. The hardship in your life is actually a blessing in disguise. Quit hating your hardship and embrace it. Quit hating what you're not good at and embrace it. This will make me a better person. Sometimes it's not a question of did you pass or fail. It's a question of did your character pass or fail. And the third thing here from 2 Peter chapter 1 is that perseverance is something that we should grow in. We should grow in our perseverance. When I ask you a question and evaluate yourself, I'll evaluate myself. And I'll tell you, it's embarrassing sometimes for me to evaluate myself in this area. Am I tougher now than I was at a previous time in my life? 
Did I grow in my perseverance? Did I grow in my spiritual toughness? Am I tougher now than when I was 25? Am I tougher now than when I was 40? Am I tougher now than when I was 50? And thank God I don't have to go much higher. (laughs) How old is old? Older than me. That's how old old is. I, I, I got I, I to gotta keep moving it up. You know, at one time, 60 was old. Now 60 is not old. Okay? 70 is old. If you're 70 here, you're old. I'm not. You understand what I'm saying? But instead of, instead of avoiding your, your problems, realize those problems make me tougher. And I want to be tougher now than I've ever been in my life. He goes on here, guys, and we, I, I, I wish we had more time to really go through chapter 4 in detail. It's one thing after another. But here's what, what I would want you to sort of go away with as far as your dream is concerned. Be careful who you listen to. Pray like it's up to God. Work like it's up to you. If you get these three things... Out of this lesson. If you can walk away from Gabrielino High School today and say, what did I get out of Marty's sermon today? Be careful who you listen to. Pray like it's up to God and work like it's up to you. I hope our study here of chapter 3 and 4 has been helpful for you. Let's have a great week. You are dismissed.